it there. Hold it there. That's right. I'm not going to tolerate this kind of backsliding. Speaking of wind socks, this is WOR, New York. Would you hit the uh, big fat money button there? There you go. Let's see, we have a, a promotion spot here. What the hell is it? As of 3 p.m. on July 17, 1973, Mr. Herbert Squire succeeded Mr. Donald Mc, Mr. Walter McDonough as the Times Square Porno King. Uh, Sexy Herb, who was single, 28 years of age, started his career at WRAM in August of 1967. He is a holder of a first-class radio telephone permit. He resides with his equipment in Nutley, New Jersey. His hobbies include JD equipment and drinking his Pepsi. The truest measure of a success is that his broadcasting peers refer to him as Pencil. And then it says, hats off, panties off, to her happy Herb. That's nice. That's a promo there. I don't know what it's about, but there it is. That's an official title. Hey, here's exciting news for you folks who work weekends. Folks, now that's not the kind of word I ever use, but they like to use them in commercials. <laughs> here's exciting news for any of you who work weekends while everyone else is frolicking in the sun. You thought nobody cared, right? Well, somebody does. The people at the hideout that exciting sports and recreation community in the Poconos. You're, they're inviting you and your family to come up and enjoy yourselves any weekday that you have off. A copy of the offering statement filed with the New York Department of State is available on request from Lywin Developments, Inc. That's an official sound. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I was just thinking here for a minute, uh, about uh, the subliminal. Uh, you probably know that uh, you have been the subject of much experimentation uh, on this very program, time to time. We've used various technical equipment. Have you wondered why, once you tune in this absolutely uh, fascinating, uh, a humorous dissertation every night, you cannot tune it off. Have you noticed that, Bill? There's much more than a vast amount of talent that's involved, which we all recognize is here. Vast amount of creative, satiric talent, which is continually used. Uh, there's much more going on, and uh, we're not yet at liberty to spring it on you because there are patents pending and various other things, possibly litigation, other things like that. Uh, you probably heard Don Cricky's interviews with New Yorkers who are buying Barclays Traveler's checks. No, I'd honestly say I haven't heard that. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's an opening level. All right, okay. It says they all agree that Barclays are readily accepted wherever they travel. You can get the small Barclay, the uh, lizard-covered Barclay, uh, the traveling Barclay, and the family-sized Barclay. Mrs. Nancy Paget commented, and quote, that her husband has no problems anywhere with Barclays Traveler's Checks. Now, here's the way she puts it. No problems at all, and they've been in some very wild places, Turkey, Yugoslavia, and Bulgaria. By the way, they'd love to have their places described as wild. We've used them all over the world without a problem. Uh, by uh, wild places, I don't think she meant the countries themselves, but probably small towns and villages. That's what the commercial says. A Manhattan man mentioned that he found Barclays invaluable in places like Indonesia. Now, these are experienced travelers speaking. But what about you? Why not make your year this year Barclays Traveler's Check Year? 
you know, if you travel down south of 14th Street down there where your nose starts to bleed because of the atmosphere, you know, a lot of people never get down there. You may need these. You know, I live down in the village, and they're putting up a, a, a Jersey embassy down there where, uh, you know, where people can come from Jersey and can be given sustenance. And, you know, you got to, each one of these Barclays is backed by the fourth largest group of banks in the world with $24 billion. Oh, great, Scott. $24 billion in assets. Whew. Barclays has over 5,000 branches in 56 countries. Let's see. Let's figure that out. That's almost 1,000 branches per country. You'll always be near one. If you're not, you must be lost. Well, I'll bet you there's no Barclays in Peapack, New Jersey. And I ain't saying you ain't lost either. Let's see, we've got one more commercial. We might as well get it out of the way because it's kind of a goodie. Holland House cocktail mixes are available at food stores everywhere. Uh, now, I'm not being funny. You know, there is a, a, a liqueur that is made. What What is the name of the liqueur that has as one of its basic ingredients? We're talking about a liqueur. Uh, you know, what is it, a liqueur? Well, you know what that is, Bill Cross. Uh, there is one liqueur that has as its basic ingredient powdered gold, actual gold, gold, G-O-L-D, gold, like what is getting unbelievably expensive and is causing the dollar to plunge, uh, gold. What liqueur is that? And when it is served, uh, it is, uh, it, there it is, it's in this spectacular bottle, and naturally, being gold, the gold settles down to the bottom, right? So when it is served, and you order this in a bar, make sure you have the guy shake it up if you want to get any gold in there. See, so he, he, he just turns it over, shakes it a couple of times, and the gold all moves through it. It looks like a great shower of tiny golden raindrops running through this, this uh, beautiful liqueur. It's a lovely colored liqueur, and it just drifts down through it. And he pours you a little sniffer of this stuff, and uh, you literally drink gold. What liqueur is that? Well, <laughs> and of course, I realize you two are men of the world, uh, having drunk uh, extensively uh, wild strawberry yoohoo and various other exotic liquors. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> you do not know of this liqueur. You do not, eh? Well, the first time this was laid on me, it was done by a lady who I would not have suspected would know of such elegant things. Uh, I do not have to tell you that this drink does not come, uh, you know, it, it, is not, it is not sold in the economy bars, let's put it that way. You do not order this with the same aplomb that you order, uh, say, a draft beer. Hey, what are you going on draft? Pull me a beer. No way. And only a few bars handle this, and uh, and I was with this girl, and we sat at the bar. That's kind of a petite creature. And uh, I said, uh, what do you have, baby? Figuring, you know, I mean, just the usual stuff. And I, I figured I was a man of the world sort of thing. Well, <laughs> uh, what the, uh, how, how about a little aperitif? Uh, it was one of those times in the afternoon you go to a bar, you know. Actually, I had other things on my mind than getting a drink with this chick. I was... Let's put it this way. I was honing in. I was honing in on the 
Well, how shall I say? Let's say the, the mother target, right? Which was not uh, really essentially sitting around in a bar drinking it up. So I said to her, I said, to her, how about the drink? And uh, she said, oh, I wouldn't mind it. Very nice. Trey elegant. And I said, well, uh, there's a little, uh, little French uh, restaurant uh, down this, down the street. Uh, uh, shall we have a little uh, potion, eh? And she says, fine, very cool. Although, promising. Promising. Uh, you know, uh, you could get a few little vibrations there. So we we walked into this bar. It was dark, and, and the, she was so innocent looking. She had this. The, she had the look of a, of a of a very early morning morning glory, untouched with just just the touch of dew. And. Uh, I figured, you know, she'd never really been in a bar before, and uh, it's one of those things, I'm leading her down the primrose path. But uh, being basically a, a rotten person, I uh, did not mind leading her down the primrose path. In fact, uh, well, let's put it this way, uh, I deliberately was about to do it, you know. So we walked into the bar, and... and uh, I, sh I should have known something was up because the bartender looked across the bar as soon as we got used to the gloom, and he looked at me and said, Oh, hi, Barb. Well, that uh, kind of threw me for a minute. I figured it, uh, you know, he was mistaking her for somebody else. And she says, Hello, Louie, how are you? You've seen Cliff around lately. Well, uh, <laughs> I quickly attempted to regroup, and then I thought maybe perhaps this was a good sign. I figured, uh, since this is true, give, give me that uh, cut two, please. A nice little subtle uh, background music there. Uh, cut two, the big LP, right? The LP, not cut two, the record two, right? Just sneak it in there quietly. That's it. Oh, that's not bad. Jukebox playing away there, see? And uh, we're in this little elegant uh, French bar. And, uh, you know, it's not easy being a man. It just occurred to me. It really isn't. It, you agree? There's so many things happen to you that uh, are both uh, disillusioning and, well, let's put it frankly and bluntly, damned expensive. I mean, uh, it ain't the woman who pays through the nose. It's the man who pays through the express card, the American card, right? So uh, I have rarely had a girl say to me, I would love to buy you a drink. In fact, I can count on the fingers of one finger the time that's happened. Ever happened to you, Jerry? No. It has happened. Oh, I saw that old bomb. Well, no wonder. But uh, nevertheless, that was the one with the web feet that you brought in up here with those funny sandals with the tinfoil balls hanging on them. I saw that one. Yeah, well, <laughs> no wonder. But uh, nevertheless, it is a quite rare experience when one is asked if one would like to care to enjoy a drink at the other's expense if you are male. Quite rare. So uh, I turned to her, of course, being, uh, being a sophisticated man of the world who had traveled as far west as Toledo and uh, who had seen the... Uh, I'd seen the Buke at dawn. Uh, I knew what it was like uh, at the waters of the Great Conjunction in Pittsburgh. 
So I've been around, say so. I said to her, what would you like to drink? She turned to Louie, the bartender, to so, uh, the regular Louie. Well, I figured, beer. Maybe gin, if it's really going to be an exciting afternoon. Possibly a Manhattan or an old-fashioned, which girls tend to order, you know, junky drinks like that. They tend to order things like grasshoppers and Alexander's, drinks created specifically for that type of girl. He turns around and he, just like he'd been doing it for years, with this great big shelf of bottles, thousands of bottles. Now, there's all kinds of bottles on those shelves that you see in the bars that you never even think of ordering from. In fact, they're just, you know, they're bottles. And the light is shining from them, see. And they reach back behind about 34 bottles in there on the top shelf with all these elegant green and pink liquids with curious Mexican names. We picked one out, which I didn't even recall ever having seen before. It came in a book, like, the bottle had what looked like a, a giant lead stopper on it with an ancient medieval seal. And he just flipped it over like that, held it up to the light, and you could see all the stuff dripping down, making little sparkly things and all that. Well, I was not about to betray my basic innocence by saying, what the hell is that? I said to him, uh, make it two, Louie. Well, <laughs> this is fine. And so he reached down and he takes these two little glasses and very carefully measures out two potions with this stuff dripping down. And he puts one in front of me and one in front of Barbara. And I says, huh? Gee, I always, uh, I haven't had any of this stuff for a long time. I always have this stuff. <laughs> I always have this stuff. Uh, I always have this stuff. So I <laughs> picked it up and I just leave it go, Bill. Don't panic. Just leave it go to the next cut, right? So I picked up the glass and I I sipped it. And you know, it was kind of good. See, I sipped it and I said, gee, this is pretty good stuff. And Barbara says, I like it. I like it. And she's sipping it away quietly. It had, it had an elegant way of sipping a drink, which now I realize in retrospect is part of the weaponry of that type of female. It's a certain distingue elegance, a kind of, uh, well, to the manner born, you know? You, 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 know when we, you know, when we go down to Nathan's down here on 44th Street, there's two kinds of people. There are people who look like they should be eating hot dogs in Nathan's, and they eat them with a complete lack of self-consciousness. And there's others who do it with the, gee, isn't it kind of fun, you know? We usually eat at Sardi's, but let's try this, you know? <laughs> there's a difference, right? Well, she sipped this liquid as if that's the only liquid she'd ever sipped from the time she was weaned. So, you know, it tasted kind of nice. It really did. It had a nice, uh, curiously tart, yet sweet, piquant, odd, exotic flavor, which I enjoyed. I frankly admit it. And, but I could see all that sludge drifting down there, so I'm sipping away there, and the funny stuff, see, so I tossed it off. Just like that. And at that time, Barbara was quietly working her way through her little drinky pool, and other people were coming in there, and... Curiously enough, about every third one to come in, say, hi, Barb, and walk on past. And uh, she'd say, oh, oh, hi, Marty. Hey, uh, hey, Marty, do you see Alan around? Do you see her around today? And she'd say, no, no, she was only on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
what the hell am I doing here? You know, I began to slowly realize that I was the stranger in this bar. Not Barbara, not Louie, not Marty or Ellen. I was the stranger. Some bars are closed shops, you understand that? And so I, you know, I figured I'd better be on my best behavior. I, at this point, still had not given up my plans, which, were, I might add, included a little more than the drinky pool. So, uh, Louie is drifting around with the bar rag, and I said, the two more, Louie, laying on us again, make them doubles. At which point, Louie says, oh, fine. I did not even realize that the implication in that place, oh, fine, had meaning. Because at the, in the next cut, the bill, uh, just let it go. Right? So, uh, you know, the music was going on and on like that. I have to keep my minions at, at odds and sixes and sevens here. I must keep them always informed. When you're a captain aboard the aboard the poop deck or whatever it is, the captains are aboard all the time, you have to tell all the minions what's going on. So you keep full speed ahead and keep the motors going. You have to turn the damn things off because you didn't tell them not to. You know, that's <laughs> right. So anyway, I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> standing in the bar there, you know, and... He lays a he lays a double on me, see, and uh, he came in a, in, a, in a kind of an odd glass. I've never seen this type of glass. It was a basically triangular glass, like a. You've seen these triangular beer glasses that kind of taper like that. Well, this one tapered, but it was a very thin glass, extremely thin. A pretty little glass there. I've never seen that type of glass. Not until later did I realize that this liqueur is so exotic that they've created a special glass for it. They only use this glass for this liquor. So I'm sitting there with a double in front of me, a nice big schooner of this stuff. I figure it's kind of nice. Might as well have, you know, if you like one chocolate Yoo-Hoo, you might as well have two or three. You know, what the hell? Twelve cents a can, why not? You know, you can't take it with you, right? So uh, I uh, sip my double away there. Now I'm down halfway through the double. Bob was finished at first. She's wading through the double that she's got in front of her. Well, to make a long, boring, sickening story short, I sat there for maybe two, three hours, putting away this liqueur. I must have four, five, ten, maybe fifteen. After a while, it didn't matter. He just kept bringing them. You know, he could see that a good one was on the hook. And that Barbara, of course, too. And then what kind of added a little insult to injury, I'm sitting down there, and one guy at the end of the bar, somebody that Barbara knew, Somebody, uh, well, it doesn't matter what his name was. Well, all right, I'll tell you what his name was. It was Stan. She looked down and she said, Hi, Stan. Yeah, you look like a kind of nice guy. So I said to Louis, send Stan one of these. And so Stan had three of them. This is the case of guys that sit at the end of bars and grab drinks when people are buying, you know. So finally, after two and a half, maybe three hours, Barbara says, Oh, gee whiz, I never realized what time it is. Oh, shucks. Uh, I'm just going to have to get home. Uh, my mother's expecting me. We have a meeting at the house, you know, B'nai B'rith and all that sort of thing. And I said, you're going home? Your mother? She said, oh, yes, I'm, I'm 20 minutes late. She says, look, uh, be seeing you around. Pow! Just like that. That's what I mean. Style. She's gone. Louis comes over and says, uh, you have another, buddy? I said, no, no. Make out the check. We will, with the milk of human kindness flowing, draw the curtain of anonymity 
shame and silence over the ensuing scene when I took a look at that check. Have you ever spent an after... Nah, have you, have you ever had, had something given to you where a, a, an actual electric shock goes through you? Electric. I mean, it's like a shock. It's amazing. Like an electrolytic shock. Suddenly you got positive voltage on one ear and negative voltage on the other ear. Boom, a shock. I couldn't believe it. I looked at the check. Well, my first... My first inclination was to say, who the hell do you think you're kidding? And hit him in the mouth. I quickly decided against that. Louie was about six feet one, but that's not really important. It was just the way he was made. I knew that you didn't do this. Also, it was a very elegant bar. I could see myself going through the window with the glass, you know, and all that, and the squad kind of guys hit me on the head with clubs and all that, so I wasn't about to go through that scene. And I didn't know, I had nowhere near the money on, I had nothing, no money. And I said to him, um, I, oh, I said, Louie, of course, I was a high roller, you know, I bought all this stuff. I said, uh, incidentally, he had gone through the entire first bottle that he had. We bought the whole bottle, and he had gone halfway through the second one. I couldn't, I couldn't think. I didn't know what to do. I was trapped in a bar. I had about $12. And I'm going to give you a clue how much the, the, the check was. It was just a shade under one big C note. You really want to know what it was? It's emblazoned in my head. It was ninety-six fifty. I had a cool 12 bananas. At which point, I'm, I said, uh, watch my drink, Louie. I had about little e bitsy bitsy grains in the bottom. I said, watch my drink, Louie. And I went reeling back to the phone booth. I didn't know what to do. It was my only connection with the outside world, see? So I had a couple of dimes in my pocket. I took a dime out, and I called the office. <laughs> I got somebody up there. I said, listen. I said, um... I will not tell you who it was. Well, all right, I'll tell you it was. It was Long John. I called John. I said, hey, John. He said, yes, Long John speaking. And I said, John, and I briefly outlined the scenario. At which point, I heard the phone topple from his lifeless hands, and I hear this, hey, Claude, you ought to hear what Shepard just pulled. And he's laughing like I can hear the whole office laughing. I said, listen, cut out the laughing, for God's sakes, John. I'm trapped in this damn bar. I mean, you know, there's going to be cops and everything. I said, for God's sakes, you got, you got a checkbook or something, you know, bring it down. What the hell am I going to do? He says, have no fear. I'll be right down. John has a certain style and this sort of thing. So 30 seconds later, he comes in through the front door looking like he owned a joint. As he walks past the bar, I'm hiding in the phone booth, see? I hear him say, hi, Louie. Louie says, well, <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you here, Mr. Long John. He comes back to the booth, and he hands me a check for 100 bananas. And saying nothing, he says, uh, here's that number I want you to call, Shep. And I said, okay, John. And, you know, to prevent embarrassment, I says, fine, John. I pretend like I'm fooling a number, see? And that jukebox is playing and the people are talking. And I walk up past the bar. I walk up to the bar. And I, yes, of course, Bill. Now, see what I mean? I walk up to the bar and I hand this guy a $100 check.
And I just signed it over to him. I says, keep the change. Louie, want a good man? He says, fine. He said, that drive by any time. I said, by the way, Louie, do you know this chick that was in here with me? He says, Bob, oh, hell yes. I said, what do you know about her? He says, well, she works all the bars up and down the street here. I said, she does what? Well, you know, there's kind of a little thing we got, you know, most of it's kind of a percentage deal. He said, that she's a nice kid, though, you know? I said, yeah. So I took the flash, you know, and I still had a couple of drinks, and I took the stuff away, and I said, hey, what the hell is all this sludge at the bottom of the glass here, Louie? I mean, all this stuff, I says, you know, as long as you charge me all this for these drinks, you might as well have gotten the, the, the sludge out of it. <laughs> he says, sludge? Is he kidding, Mac? I says, no, I'm not kidding. He says, you know what that stuff is, Mac? I says, I do not, Louie. That's gold, man. That's powdered gold. That's gold. Gold dust in there. I said, I said, are you drinking gold dust all that time? And I've been buying gold dust for guys named Stan at the end of the bar? And I bought gold dust for Bobby, who works all the bars in the neighborhood? Yeah, well, I said, you know, you can't win them all, buddy. You win some, you lose some. I said, you're not kidding. That gold dust? He says, yes, that's gold dust. I said, what's the name of that stuff? And he told me. I'm not going to tell you what the name of it is. You'll see, it cost me a lot of money, and a lot of time, and a lot of effort, and a hell of a lot of psychological bruising uh, to learn the name of that liqueur. And if you're going to learn the name of that liqueur, you're going to have to learn it in combat, just the way I learned it. Now, you can ask your favorite bartender. Why don't you do it? Go to the Silicon Pines. Say, hey, uh, hey, bartender, give me some of that stuff with a gold dust in it. He'll bring it to you. You better have your seatbelt on, though, when the check comes. And you better, re- <laughs> you better be ready to move. Oh, and I asked another the friend of mine, a doctor friend of mine, and I said, what happens to the gold? You know, you drink the gold. He said, well, you know, of course, that the body cannot digest gold. I said, well, I kind of thought that, but... What happens to it? He said, well, it just stays in there. I said, you've got gold? He said, yes, yes. It's always in you now. And so some souvenirs you just don't get rid of until the final judgment day when the bugles blow. <laughs>